Hi, you're listening to Walkley Talks with me, Helen Sullivan. The proliferation of podcasting and digital media has changed our relationship with radio and other audio storytelling. For this Storyology panel, audio producer for the ABC, Jess Beneth, former director of podcasts at Mamma Mia, Monique Boli, and BuzzFeed politics reporter and host of Is It On, Alice Workman, join esteemed audio producer and podcast critic, Shabon McHugh, to present this masterclass on planning, research, writing, producing, and distributing a killer podcast. Okay, so let's just start with the host, the idea of the podcast host, because it seems to me to be central to the whole love uh, thing that goes on with podcasting. We don't say presenter. In radio, we used to say presenters, and it's kind of formal. But host has a sort of intimacy about it already. And whenever you read about people talking about their favorite podcast hosts, they talk about them as if they're a friend or you know, a companion. Sarah Caney was a companion on Serial. So can you talk about maybe you know, your experiences as a host uh, with your audience, what kind of reaction do you get? And um, also, when you're mentoring hosts and training people, what kind of qualities do you look for and try and uh, nurture? Do you want to go first? Yeah, so I hosted Mamma Mia Out Loud, which in 2015 was um, named iTunes Best New Podcast, and in 2016 was named a classic. Things move fast on the internet, I guess. Um, and we had quite a large um, number of women that would listen to that show. And wow, I guess the science behind it, what I've read is that when you hear something, your mind's eye has to create a picture of it. So podcasting, literally, when people tell you, like you think about when you listen to a radio lab or something that's very descriptive, a podcast, you, you do, you create, you form a picture of it in your mind. And so that leads this extra layer of intimacy to the medium. It is not like linear radio where it's on in the car or it's on in the kitchen. This is literally someone in your ear. And the intimacy is so heightened that I would have people, people do just think constantly, I, I'm your friend, we're friends. Uh, people invite me to their birthday parties and people invite me to their baby showers and I've never met them and people want to Skype me and it's because they do constantly feel like you are the friend in their ears and it's extraordinary and very powerful. And we always, con sorry, just one other point, is we co constantly never tried to say, hello listeners or things like that. We would always try and talk to our listeners as if they were friends. We tried really hard not to put um, that barrier between them and us. It was always talking with them and not at them. So Alice, how, what's your experience been uh, as a host? Um, well, my background before I worked at BuzzFeed, I worked at radio stations. So I worked at 2GB, uh, 2UE and then at Triple uh, J. And one of the things that uh, people can remember back past Linda, Rosie, who used to host Super Request, um, uh, always was, I thought, one of the geniuses of Radiocraft because she uh, did the most specific shout-outs I've ever heard. Like, she would be playing a song and she'd be like, all right, this is for someone who's on a treadmill, who's really struggling and needs that last, like, you know, 10, like, you know, oomph to get home that 10Ks. Um, uh, but, you know, Radiocraft, uh, like Monica was saying, Radiocraft and podcasting is different. The idea behind Radiocraft is, you know, you, you want to... At, at Triple J, we used to have a picture of... Uh, and we did it talk back as well, a picture of like who you're talking to. So you always want to talk one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, podcasting is a bit harder because, you know, often it's quite static and, you know, you've got a whole bunch of things that you're kind of throwing in together. But you're right, I don't like when people say, for anyone listening at home or, you know, dear listener or that kind of crap. Like, you know, it's obviously you can't have the intimacy and the live feedback of callers and 
people tweeting at you like you do when you're on air live, but you still want to create a relationship by, when I write journalism in print or in online, it's, it's straight journalism, there's no personality in there. Oh, well, man, maybe sometimes at BuzzFeed there is, but like, you know, the concept of journalism is, you know, you write straight news, right? But when we're telling, uh, in our podcast especially, when we're describing our different stories and the experiences of Parliament, you want to add a bit of character, otherwise, you know, people could just go read the Herald, why would they listen to you? So we try and throw a bit of personality in there. Um, yeah, so answer your question? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Jess, uh, in terms of, uh, you, you're more, you don't want to be a host, so you prefer to produce hosts. I do prefer so, to produce. So yes. how does that work? What, what do you do? So I work on two podcasts. I work on This Is About, which is a documentary, sort of long-form, non-narrated podcast, and Jordan Roscopoulos is the host. And I'm currently just finishing up on a podcast called Ladies Who Need To Talk as part of the ABC Audio Studios. Um, and Yumi Steins is the host of that podcast. And I guess, you know, there's a, there's a few things. Um, one, because, you know, Alice, you said personality and, and you, Monique, said intimacy. So when we were looking for a host of Ladies Who Need To Talk, which is about the taboos around women's sex, health and relationships, it's incredibly personal. We need someone that would have a bit of skin in the game. Um, some of the content, you know, it might be confronting for some listeners. It might be the first time they've, you know, considered these kind of topics or talked about them talked about them, you're talking about it with them in this way. So it had to be someone who they'd feel safe with and who they trusted. And, you know, in order to do, to do that, I think the host really has to have some skin in the game. So Yumi was down and we were really happy about that. Um, and she, she brought her personal experience into the content we were making, which was really important. So it was sort of like she was putting herself out there a bit. You'd hope that the listener would put themselves out there a bit. And um, Yumi's got a, a background in TV, so she's very you know, to the camera or on stage and very loud. And I found that with producing Yumi, it was often about bringing it back to that one person. And we sort of had a person in mind and it was bringing it back to her. And we talked about, it's not your, because this, and it, it lends itself to the, to the sort of content we're making. It's not something that you'd ever be like, so how about masturbation? It would be like, so how about masturbation? So it's bringing it back to that voice. And it's, you know, and we've always talked about it being around about, um, you know, three women out for a wine, you know, they got a babysitter and they've caught this, you know, there's, it's a Wednesday night that all three of them were free and they went out and they're sitting around and they're just talking about the stuff you talk about with your girlfriend. So bringing it back to that, you know, that, that bar table or, you know, uh, uh, that one-on-one -on -one friend. Mm. And, and so her, it was really important with her voice. Mm. It's um, so true what you say about authenticity. Mm. Like an audience can sniff out from a mm. mile away if you're not being yourself. That's and right. it just, you lose all trust and you just, I don't know, what is it about the medium that you can just tell when people aren't being mm. themselves? Well, actually, that's really interesting that you say that because um, we did an experiment with The Age. Um, Julie Passetti, who was just on the dais a minute ago, and myself were working as consulting producers with Phoebe's Fall, where we took two veteran print investigative journalists, and we, Michael Bachelard and Richard Baker, and we introduced them to the audio storytelling genre. And what Michael said was that he found uh, that it was a very honest medium. You know, and I think that reflects that you can tell the fakery, but also you can hear the real emotion in the voice, and so it creates an added layer of connection and empathy and all of those things. And you know, they were blown away by what you could do in audio that you couldn't do in print or in the standard sort of online uh, written format. But I think that also raises the question of, um, you know, as a host, 
that line between editorial and kind of advocacy and how far can you go. So if you're an indie host, you can say anything you like and that can enhance the bond with the listener. And somebody like Leah Tao, who, who hosts Strangers, it's a very popular podcast in the US, she has said that when she was at NPR, which was the public broadcaster, you know, she had to play a straight bat. But now not only does she give opinions, she feels the audience expect her to be opinionated and she will, you know, she will endorse a story about refugees and say those poor guys, you know, she will cross a line into some other place. But I think Leah can because she's done a four-part series on speaking to every guy that ever dumped her and put her yeah. soul out there and all of these really vulnerable moments. And so, yeah, two years later, when she does a story about refugees, how can she not put herself in that in some way? And but I think that's the difference between news and NPR and an independent But how podcast. do you manage the constraints of the ABC, especially now, Monique, that you've had to move from into a different space? I mean, there's an editorial, there's a charter, there are regulations. I don't know what it's like at BuzzFeed in that regard, Alice. Uh, do you have a bit more leeway? Yes. Um, <laughs> You know, I work in a newsroom of eight people and uh, it's a miracle that we are pr uh, print stories and as well as do a podcast at all, really. I mean, I've just come from recording a podcast where we had to spend 10 minutes blowing up mattresses because we still don't have a studio. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we literally kind of, we blow up mattresses and we gaffer all the walls with blankets. I tweeted a picture of it. It's actually quite comical. Um, but, like, you know, obviously we, you know, uh, my colleague Lane, who's uh, one of our reporters, you know, kind of wears her interview producer hat and we talk the interviews through before we do them and obviously there is a kind of, you know, BuzzFeed is an organisation who uh, skews younger and female. So when we are choosing the stories and we're choosing the interviews that we're doing, we keep that audience in mind and to a certain extent, like we are journalists, but to a certain extent, we advocate on behalf of our audience. So if we're doing an interview about um, uh, the postal survey, the upcoming postal survey, uh, we're not coming at it from a point of view uh, that the ABC necessarily has to, which is to be kind of steamed on both sides. If, you know, if someone from the, the No campaign says something that is factually incorrect, we'll just go, no, that's wrong. Our audience knows that wrong. We're speaking on behalf of them. We're repping what they want to know out of you. So we kind of, we can, you can toe the line a little, but I mean, politics is quite difficult because there are some politicians who um, don't like being interrupted. There are some that don't like being questioned. And when you're doing a longer form interview, you've got to consider that to make sure that, you know, you want it to sound good and you want it to be an interesting interview. You don't want them, you don't want to go in straight off the bat and be like, so you said this and I disagree with it and you need to explain every single thing you've ever said to me because then they'll just, they'll just bottle up and you won't get anything good out of them and it'll sound horrible. So, you know, there is kind of a line you have to walk when, you, when you're interviewing. Yeah, uh, but on that marriage equality, Monique, I heard the podcast you did with Mia and, uh, you know, on Mamma Mia about the marriage equality and you were all three kind of saying things like, bring it on or, you know, about time. So you were obviously pro-marriage equality. Now, if you were doing that topic on the ABC how are you going to approach it? Because you won't be able to do that. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned before about um, charters and things. Because when you, when I worked at Mamma Mia, which was an independent um, media company, we still had charters. And our charter for the company was that we were a... Uh, we would only accept... We'd stop accepting any advertising money from the No campaign. So that was, in essence, an editorial decision to do that because we were following... You know, we were towing company line. And I feel like um, that kind of applies in other ways too. Like I would never go on a Mamma Mia podcast and say, oh, I'm an anti-vaxxer because, again, that was like a really big 
platform for the for the company. So I think unless you're a lone wolf in the podcast field and you don't want to sell your podcast to advertisers as well, which is a consideration, then you are constantly kind of thinking about crafting a message and as well. Because a lot a lot of brands as well, if you're gonna have a podcast that's really sweary or really um, sort of extreme in its views, they might not want to put their brand up against yours if you wanted to monetize it. So I think that's a consideration wherever you kind of podcast. And and just okay, so just moving on to, to actually the fact that podcasting is the other thing that it has going for it, which might sound you know blindingly obvious, it, but people often don't have a consciousness of it, is that it's in the medium of audio. And audio has strengths and it has weaknesses. And that was another thing that we found with Michael and Richard when we were doing Phoebe's Fall, that they kind of had taken audio a bit for granted. A lot of people who are outside audio sort of think it's video without the pictures. It's kind of poor orphan cousin of video or something. And uh, it ain't, because audio has incredible power for certain things. And, uh, you know, just, just um, the actual, sound, how evocative sound can be, just a simple sound that is not even words, you know, non-verbal. So I just wanted to ask you all, how do you consciously, because you all have a radio background, you know, you know, you're aware of this, so do you consciously exploit audio as a medium? I know you would, Jess. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Yes, very much so. So how, tell us we, how you do with it. With this is about, we approach it, you know, we think about it, and we talk about this quite openly, it's film for your ears. So. When I think about an idea, it often starts with sound. I think about how is that scene going, you know, what scene is going to be the most sound rich and I'm going to put that at the beginning and, and sound and music will move a story along in ways that a listener, you know, will never know. It's very unconscious. A listener isn't going to be aware of it. Other radio producers probably pick up on it. But, you know, yeah, it, our stories are structured around sound on This Is About and we do, we, we, exploit, we exploit that. I mean, at the same time, it's not just about exploiting. The story we've got coming out next week is incredibly, it's incredibly sad and, and heavy um, and it's one woman's story and we've pulled back on all music. You know, it, sometimes it's the absence of sound or the absence of music which is the most powerful and that story doesn't need exploiting through sound. It's, it's a strong narrative just on its own. Her voice, yeah. you know, the tremor in her voice or where she stops or when you can hear the click of her throat, all of those things. Or a pause. Or a, a pause. Yeah. Tell the story in a way that, you know, it doesn't need music or sound in, in many areas. So Yeah, I think yeah. that's the big learning area. I love on, Alice, on your podcast, I was listening to the famous one where Erica Betts was yeah, afraid we were all going to go and marry the Sydney Harbour Bridge. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, but in the middle of the conversation, and you can maintain a very stoic level of, um, you know, um, you didn't sound like you, your eyes were out on sticks when he was talking. But, um, I think I'm immune. I've been in Parliament for four years. You may just gloss over me now. But in the middle of it, at one stage prior to that, you were having the interview and then the bell, a bell rang, you know, mm. audibly. And you said, and you kind of whispered, do you have to go and be there? And it was the vote. And it just lent this amazing mm. in immediacy. Yeah. And then a minute later, he's back. He's kind of done his job and he's back in the seat. So yeah, we did one with Lisa Singh where... She got. She went out. We had to go out three times, and so it kind of reaches the <laughs> point of, of absurdity where <laughs> you're like, originally when we started, uh, because we recorded in in our tiny office in Parliament House, 
the bells just ring all the time. And at first we used to stop every time the bells rang, but then depending on what the vote is, they can ring for like five minutes, then pause, then ring for three, then pause and ring for one again. So we reached a point where we just literally couldn't be bothered sitting around. So we just, if the bells ring, we just say, reminder we're in Parliament House, the bells are going to ring. And we just go on with it because <laughs> otherwise we'd be there for hours. But yeah, in interviews all the time, or if we're in, um, we did an interview in a minister's office and they'd forgotten that they had a meeting and someone walked in halfway through. People walk in on the podcast all the time. Um, but, you know, I, like, I would love to say that we have the luxury of uh, thinking about uh, how it sounds. My main issue is that uh, it, you can, it's actually listenable and it's actually recorded on microphones that aren't crap because we've had some, like, tech issues lately. But, um, you know, we do try and think about, uh, you know, I'd love to kind of spend a lot more time editing it, but it's me at 11 o'clock at night being like, I need to do this. I have to wake up at 5 a.m. to go on an RN tomorrow. <laughs> so I just kind of do as much as I can with the hour that I've got to do it. Um, but we do want to do more things. Like we try and throw in some audio from press conferences or from things that happen on TV just to give it a little bit of a lift because if you listen to kind of people talking on the same level for a while, it gets pretty dull. So you need to chuck something in there to kind of keep it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've got a lot to work with at Parliament, so we should. <laughs> Which brings me to the actual topic, um, your killer tips. So uh, how does one make a killer podcast? Oh, that's a you've, really big question. You've had a few days to think about <laughs> this. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> <I th> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to talk about ideas because I get I get this question a lot when I say, you know, I, I produce podcasts and there's a lot of interest in podcasts at the moment and people always say, oh, I have this great idea for a podcast. And, you know, you, you sort of started this session with some interesting t statistics around what makes an interesting podcast or, you know, a successful podcast. So there's a lot of ideas that come out that aren't that great. But, um, you know, I have two tests that I use around ideas personally. Um, one is the pub test. I, you know, I, I'll tell a story. I'm thinking about making this story for this is about what do you think and then I'll tell them the story. I did this today to a collaborator over Skype and everyone has had the same reaction to this story. They sit back and they go, huh. And like I get that every time so I know, I know that, it, it's, you know, that it might work. And on ladies it was, you know, you'd tell people the, what the show was about and everyone would go, yes, and name 10 things that they would want to talk about on that podcast. So, you know, so there's coming up with a really good idea and then it's, which we get a lot of, and then taking it to that next step, which is making sure it sustains 20 to 25 minutes for This Is About, or for ladies, a whole season. So it's taking an idea. Often we get ideas that are the first eight minutes of a story, and it needs that second pivot. Something has to happen. And with, you know, at, at ABC Audio Studios, and Monique will find this too, we get a, a lot of ideas that it's just an idea, it's not a series. It's not a podcast yet. It's just an idea. So I think um, my first tip to how to make a killer podcast is finding a really good idea and then thinking about how is this going to work as a four-part series or an, an eight-part series um, and storyboarding that out, breaking it down. Is this interesting enough to sustain eight episodes or four episodes or for this is about 20 minutes? Um, so yeah, that would be... Ideas. ideas. I have three things that I think about in every podcast. The first thing is who is going to listen to this? The second thing is why would they listen to it? Like, what are they getting out of it? What value are you giving them? If you can't answer either of those two questions, you don't have a podcast. And the third thing that I would say is don't waste people's time. There are so many podcasts out there where it's two mates chatting for 15 minutes about what they had for dinner before they even start the show. 
just no one's got time for that. Get into it straight away. You want to grab someone by the balls from the minute they start listening. However you do it, just don't be a time waster. Respect people's time. I think it's important to respect yeah. that everyone is really busy and, yeah, to respect people. If it can be done in 20 minutes, do it in 20 rather than 40. Yeah. yeah. And yet I just spent two hours, I couldn't believe I did this because I'm on another panel with the people who make Case File, you know, the uh, crime hmm. trooper. And I listened, it was the murder of Peter Falconio. And I listened for two hours. I mean, I did a lot of ironing in that time. <laughs> but, um, and it was just, I couldn't believe it. There was no sound. All the things that I usually need, that I want, sound-rich storytelling. Uh, he didn't even chapter it. He jumped one minute, we're with the murderer, then we're with over in, uh, you know, Yorkshire or something. There wasn't even the semblance of a pause of a chapter. But it was compelling. So I suppose if we think about story, character, and plot, which are the three things that Eric Newsom of Audible mentioned as being crucial for a good podcast, it was all about plot, really, um, and, 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 and character and story. I mean, I suppose it had all those three elements. But anyway, so it's interesting. So a podcast can be many things. But it sustained you. It did. There's it a lot of time. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of argument over what duration, what is the duration that a podcast should be. The average commute in capital cities in Australia is 20 minutes. Should it be 20 minutes? I think a good story is a good story. If it takes two hours, if it sustains you for two hours, it can be two hours. If, if it doesn't, then you're not respecting something. I'd rather time. hear a two-minute podcast that gave me something, boom, yes, than hear it buried in 40 minutes of just That's blah, blah, right. blah, blah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I think you used the lovely phrase, it should always surprise and delight. Yeah. So if you keep that as your kind of gold standard, you know, surprise. So how do you surprise and delight? Well, us? okay, uh, we, uh, my colleague, Mark Stefano, has just left uh, to move to England. Um, so I've gotten a brand new co-host for my podcast, Lane Sainty, and it was her first, we've recorded the first episode today, so I'm very excited uh, for that. Um, and so I wrote a list of things, some are practical, some are a bit more ideological for her that I thought I would share with you. Um, in terms of timing, it's quite interesting. Uh, you can't download a podcast off Wi-Fi, so if you're just in the street, it's over an hour. So we have a rule that it can't be over an hour because otherwise people are like, ah, oh, it's too big, I can't download it, and that annoys me. Also, also I think there's like a mental barrier when I see something over an hour, and I'm like, yes. oh, it's yeah, too much I don't of a commitment. Over an hour. Yeah, so <laughs> we, our rule is uh, less than an hour. And also a fun tip is uh, if they're swearing and you have a, like, a, ex I can't even think of what the rating is, like an explicit, explicit rating, some people can't download that on their work phone. So like, for example, if you work for a politician and you have a staffer phone, you can't download anything with an explicit rating. So that's interesting to learn. Off what Jess was saying, um, topic selection and interview prep is, I think, one of the most important things in terms of us doing a news podcast because, yeah, we can do a really dry interview that's newsworthy that's probably not going to be, uh, you know, that great. Uh, you might as well just listen to Michelle Grattan's because she's got more insight. Or you could do an interview where you like, I'm going to sit down with a minister who I never get access to. What are the, like, we've got 15 minutes. What are the questions we're going to go? So we do a lot of, a tip that I stole from Lisa Ailes, we do practice interviews where, like, Lane will play the politician and I will play me, obviously. Um, because, you know, it has to, like, just like these guys were saying, it has to be interesting and engaging and stuff as well. So I kind of work off the theory that you either start with a funny question and then maybe also sometimes end with a funny question because you want an icebreaker to make them know that, you know, we're all here, we're playing on the same field. Our ender question is, our podcast called Is It On?, which is a joke about, you know, leadership. So we ask everyone we interview if they are from Julie Bishop to Richard Di Natale to, you know, we did an interview with Annabelle Crabb the other day. We ask every single person that comes on, is it on? It's like the new running joke. And it's really well, because people are, 
kind of freak out when they're asked it, and it's really, really funny. <laughs> um, from a really practical point of view, you've got to have good equipment because, uh, as I've learnt in the last six weeks, while my uh, producer has been in America and I've had to do my own equipment, if it sounds bad, oh, my God, it's unlistenable. Like, if there's a buzzing noise or if someone's tapping on the microphone, or ugh, ugh, if, the, if you can't use the audio, it will just kill your whole thing, and it's really annoying. Um, we also had a segment in our podcast where we whispered. It was called Gallery Whispers, and we were like, it'd be really funny if we just whispered gossip to each other. You know, it's really funny, but it's also unlistenable uh, because <laughs> if you're on public transport uh, and you're trying to listen to someone whisper... You know what? Do you guys know what ASMR is? Yes. It's this audio... Uh, Auto-sensory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's people that um, do these YouTube videos where they, like, brush their hair or, like, crinkle paper and they do this, like, forceful whispering and it's meant to be, like, soothing and calming but also, like weird sex thing. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, not to discredit people that are into it, go for your lives. Um, so that was like, that was kind of the joke. Look, it's had mixed reviews and we're still trying to figure out how to make it work because uh, whispering is hard to hear. Anyway. Um, last tip. Last tip. My biggest tip uh, that I would give to anyone is, and it was one of the main things that people, that when I worked in radio, uh, is, is kind of a rule about how much you put in versus what your output's going to be. Like, you know, you don't want to be, uh, you don't want to record, if you know your podcast goes for less than an hour, you don't want to record four hours worth of interviews because you're the idiot that's going to have to edit that all down together, right? Um, and I do this, and I, I say this is a rule, but I break this rule every week. Like, if you're only going to play 20 minutes worth of an interview, why, why torture yourself by doing 40 minutes worth and having to edit it down? Do proper interview prep, do interview practice with someone and know what you want to get out of it because at the end of the day, you know, it's kind of your time you're wasting and as much as I am a sucker for uh, overworking and staying up till 11 o'clock at night doing things, it's uh, impractical and unsustainable. Um, so, yeah, that is what I would say. Input right. versus right. output is very important. I wrote, I, I um, conducted a survey of uh, podcast sort of consumption for my own purposes because I'm kind of studying podcasting as well in an academic way and how it's changing, um, uh, you know, how it's emerging as a new digital media format uh, with its own sort of grammar and logic and audience and aesthetics and everything else. So I did this survey and I got back very interesting answers, but one came from a disgruntled community radio person in Australia. Mm -hmm. And I said, what has been the impact, you know, of blah, blah, podcasting? And she said, a whole bunch of Ira Glass-alikes have invaded and crap on endlessly about storytelling and put themselves needlessly in the story and do that choppy I, me, you, they thing. <laughs> Which I thought was a rather good summation. Um, but what my question is, I mean, I, I get really irritated when I hear young Australians, and my own students are doing it, and they want to start a podcast with, so here's the thing. Because we don't actually say that. We don't actually, I know I'm Irish, so it's a bit weird me saying this, but, you know, we don't actually say that in Australia. So how do we stop the cultural colonisation? Much as I love, you know, Radiotopia and all the great Americans, uh, Radio Lab and Serial and all of that, but how do we stop the Americans taking over? How do we keep the Australian voice in our podcast? Look, population-wise, America's a really big country. They've got a, a dominance in this space, like they've got over every other space because the podcast community here is smaller and there's this bigger I just I have this I've had this discussion with many colleagues of mine at the ABC and I just think there's lots of room for Australian content and lots of room for American content um, and 
you don't have to listen to the stuff that you don't like. There's so much out there. If you, if you don't like the style of it or if you think it's ripping off Ira Glass, there's so many other things to listen to. So just switch. I think it's a maturity thing. I think that when you first start out in broadcasting, you naturally start to imitate the things that you really like. And I did it and I've imitated presenters that I've loved and I hear other people doing it too. And I just think that it's just a, a maturity, it's just a time thing that we will naturally find our own voice over time. Mm. I can't see you turning into an American, Alice. <laughs> God, I hope not. Um, uh, well, I, I mean, I'd say to your students, make them listen back to themselves doing it because, my God, listening to yourself is horrible. <laughs> um, and that might get them out of the habit. Or uh, pointing out to them that maybe it sounds a bit inauthentic because it comes back to yeah. what we were talking about with, like, authentic voice and inauthentic voice, right? Like, mm. the most powerful radio is when you catch someone off guard or you're getting a raw story or, you know, I always find the best question... If I'm stuck to ask someone something and I need to ask someone something, I always just say to people, just tell me something you've never told anyone else before. Because it makes a different part of their brain turn mm. and you get to hear what they sound like normally and that can get you closer to what, mm. I guess, mm. is what you want to hear. You've been listening to the Walkley Talks podcast. Sign up to our newsletter at walkleys.com forward slash subscribe or join the conversation on Twitter. This podcast was produced with help from freelance journalist and fabulous intern Courtney Hunter former Walkley superstar Kate Golden in Sydney, Australia.